This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Ladies, gentlemen, boys and girls all over the globe, world, wherever you happen to be, while you're listening to me, it's Larry Charles, one half of the Game Dev Unchained podcast team. And we've done it so many times, and I'm still thankful that you're here listening to us, helping me bring this awesome podcast to you once again this week. It's the first person I ever met to count to infinity twice. Mr. Brandon Pham. What's up? And that's not because I watched the movie twice. This is Brandon Pham. Welcome to another episode of Game Dev Unchained, and also bringing along with me a special guest, Brad Hart. Hey, Brad. How's it going, guys? Nice to meet you. All nice right, to meet good to you. have you, man. So uh, this is part of the podcast where we ask our guests, such as yourself, to introduce yourself to our listeners out there, who you are, where you've been, where you are right now, where you're heading. Yeah, sure. So um, my name is Brad Hart. So I'm the CTO at Perfor Software. Um, been in the sort of the version control space for a little over 20 years. I started a company called um, with some other guys called Acurev based uh, rational clear case guy back in the day. So uh, big Git user. So I've been in this space. Really, my whole focus, my whole career has been around, uh, you know, helping companies go faster, right? Helping developers uh, and, and people create software, um, and providing and building tools to help them do their job. Uh, so we're sort of in the back end, providing the infrastructure that they need to, to go faster. Uh, been with Perforce for about four months now. Um, came at, with an acquisition of this company called Perfecto Software. Um, again, that was in like the mobile uh, application and, and web-based application uh, DevOps testing. So mm-hmm. uh, pretty cool stuff. Again, it's all about helping helping people like you guys do your jobs better. Oh, yeah, thanks. Well, congrats on the acquisition and I guess new position, it sounds like simultaneously, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Lots of changes. Lots of changes. Uh, how did that, I mean, if you don't mind me asking, like, how did that go, I guess, for you, like being acquired and then also like, hey, you know what? Not only are you part of the company now, we want you to be our CTO. Was that part of the, did you know that ahead of time or was that something that they kind of groomed you for, I guess, even while you started working there? If you don't mind me asking, I don't know. Yeah, no, not at all. Not at all. I mean, it was kind of cool. So the, um, you know, I was running a product for this mobile dev company. I was in the version control space configuration management, like I said, for about almost 20 years. And uh, I went and I, transition into the mobile mobile app and testing space um, with the cloud provider that we had at Perfecto. And uh, it was kind of funny when we went through the acquisition process, you know, I was uh, on one hand spinning the capabilities we had and showing, you know, what we can do and talking about customers and all that kind of jazz and, you know, being part of the whole acquisition process. And then uh, the the Perforce folks kind of saw my background and were like, wait a second, you <laughs> used to compete with us. And, uh, you know, you know, the space pretty well. So they thought it was kind of intriguing. And uh, so sort of it was kind of a bifurcated process. Right. One was, mm-hmm. you know, being part of the acquisition process. And the other was, hey, is there an opportunity for me to help them out kind of on the leadership side and the technical level mm-hmm. um, to to kind of really, uh, you know, attack the enterprise market that we're going after. So it's uh, it, was, it was a really nice synergy. It worked out pretty well. Oh, that's awesome, man. I'm happy for you. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. One of my earliest memories, because uh, Larry and I have a game developer background, uh, was the first thing on the job was to learn how to use Perforce. Uh, and it was only very surprising recently where we started to branch out and look at these non-game tech companies where they've never used it before. And it was all old school, drop files, Dropbox, Google Drive sharing. Uh, are you seeing this kind of blossoming of using uh, versioning in other industries outside of games? Or is this just something you, uh, <laughs> just on a personal level, what I'm seeing only? Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, so I've seen it all, right? And and like you said, I mean, I've seen companies that, you know, they're, like you said, they're, you know, they got directories, you know, dot Tuesday, dot Wednesday, dot Thursday, and uh, they're doing sort of manual versioning. And, you know, I I have seen a shift across all industries um, where they've kind of come to see the light that, 
you know, when you're, when your source is important, um, when where companies where their data is, their code is critical to the business and that's what they, they whether it's because they're building a game or they're building, you know, embedded software in a medical device or they're launching rockets. If software is important, mm-hmm. you have to have some control. You have to, uh, you know, manage the process of people contributing to that code and what's going to be released and who's doing it. Can you audit it? Can you, you know, track who's doing what, where, when, why, and how? Um, so it's really kind of advanced from a user perspective. And it's, for the most part, again, it's it's where software is important, right? There's software everywhere, right? Like my friend has a, a refrigerator that's got like a software on it, right? They were watching YouTube videos. <laughs> um, but if you, if you, if you, if that part of your refrigerator doesn't work, you're not going to like, you're not going to cry. I mean, I've, mm-hmm. I've been dealing with companies where if the software fails, a rocket crashes, right? Oh, that's, a, that's like different. And so it's, uh, those are the kinds of customers I love. And I love seeing those really complicated problems. And, mm. you know, sometimes it's not always life and death. It's, it could be games or entertainment and it's some really cool stuff people are doing, but it's really where uh, you, where you see lots and lots of people that are really brilliant trying to collaborate and share their, share their work effort together and build something pretty spectacular. That's where we see it really starting to become more and more important to be able to track that. Yeah. And one of the things that I've I actually appreciate about what you guys are doing is the amount of seats available for free. Uh, I think like five seats huge for indie studios, right? Like a lot of the yep. small companies have five or less people, but they have access to, you know, version control thanks to you guys. And I think that's just awesome. Uh, I'm assuming that's you probably have tons of like small teams that are like taking advantage of Perforce because of that alone, right? Oh, no, absolutely. So, you know, the way I look at it, too, right? So if say you're a, you know, you're a game developer and you're working for one of the big studios, right? Mm-hmm. And you're, you know, part of one of the AAA studios and you're working with thousands, like most of our customers at the big level, they have thousands of people working on these games. And that's great. And you're doing that. That's your day job. That's paying your bills. That's paying for your car payment, all that jazz. But we, what are you going to do when you get home at night, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's the night times or the weekends, you want to work on your own thing, right? And maybe you and a couple of buddies want to get together and, you know, you start a little studio, a little indie studio, and you want to create your own thing on your own time. Just because you're small and you might have five or less people, it doesn't mean your needs are small. Um, and there's a lot of free software out there and all that, but it doesn't fit the bill with this kind of uh, application development, right? Gaming requires, even though there's only a few of you, it requires managing big data, right? Big assets, big binaries, lots of data, lots of files. And so what we wanted to do was open up the capability that Perforce has where it is the standard for gaming because of the nature of the large files and all that jazz. We wanted to open that up to everybody. So if you're using Perforce during the day and you're you know on a team of 5,000 people building you know, the next great, huge, massive game, we want to give you the same capability when you're starting up your own thing with your friends or, you know, some coworkers. And, you know, if there's you and you've got a partner that's in, uh, you know, in the UK and you're in California or where I'm at in Boston, like you need replication, you need all that same stuff, but you don't want to have to spend the money and buy licenses and all that if you're just getting going. Yeah. So it's kind of just our way to sort of seed the market and, give people the stuff they need. It, it kind of feels good on our end to give back. And some of these indie studios have gotten bigger, right? And they, then they, you know, get hundreds of users and that, that works out for us as well. So it's, it's kind of a win-win for everybody. Yeah. yeah um, I mean, the, the development of the indie space, the development of other industries finally getting onto Perforce has been a happy marriage, at least from the developer side. It's great. And it's mind boggling to be able to, uh, go to another company and like, they never really used Perforce before. I, I'm still so ingrained since my early development days mm-hmm. to now where versioning is so, um, so essential to what we're doing, especially mm-hmm. when we, uh, make mistakes all the time. And so, uh, when was it when, uh, Perforce, uh, started catering and focusing towards these other developers besides the AAA developers who's been using the software for like 20 years? 
Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's kind of been, um, from a, from a, from a game development perspective, Perforce is kind of always, so it's really been around since 99 and it's kind of always been the go-to. And again, it's funny cause I can speak to it as a, as a former competitor. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that was kind of always the, the thing that we would bump into from, from my other company was, you know, there was things that we were really good at, but when it came to people that were doing game development, um, again, just dealing with the large binaries, dealing with having to have multiple sites and the replication and the performance and scale, that was like where Perforce always had a strong, strong angle. Um, and it's all about scale and massive size and, you know, geez, we're dealing with customers now that, um, you know, they're 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 pushing through terabytes of data a day, and it's going to be petabytes soon as 4K is coming into play for games, and mm-hmm. and we also do a lot with entertainment, and a lot of that is kind of bridging across a lot of the technologies and tools that people are using in those industries. Um, it's uh, it's really remarkable what the company's been able to build to sort, you know, to really to help these to help these teams build, you know, build their products faster. So, and I think really for the um, really reaching out to the you know the last few years, reaching out to the educational institutions, right? So we now we're just releasing something now where we're giving free support. To, to the educational institutions, um, these free licenses to the small teams. Again, at the indie studios, five people or less. Um, it's really something we've done over the last few years because we really want to see the market. And we know that's what they're going to need to use when they get out of school. I was at GDC right a few weeks ago and um, I had a bunch of, uh, I had a bunch of college kids come up to me and like, wow, this, this, I've heard so much about this and we're starting to use it now in school. And, and it's it's great, right? I mean, because we're in a world where, like, as everybody knows, gets very prevalent, and that's a big part of the college education. And you know, it's free, and everybody uses it uh, for code for small teams. But when you're doing, I always like to say, when you're doing big boy stuff, you need big boy products, and and that's kind of where we're at. And uh, we, you know, we have a nice marriage there with people that are using Git and some of the other tools out there. But the big stuff that they need. That's where that's where Perforce comes in. So we want to kind of give the small, the smaller teams the ability to use the powerful stuff from day one, get the, you know, the kids in school, you know, starting to use it and learn it and give free access to it and free support. So it's it's kind of nice. It's 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 a nice way to give back. Well, for for entertainment's sake, uh, have you ever been surprised by any sort of client or person you saw using version control of using Git or using even Perforce? For example, um, a music, you know, artist who's like, yeah, I use version control to check in different like levels of my song production files or, you know, like something outside of game development and software development. Has anyone surprised you with how they've been using the the tools over your whole career? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think there's some, some, some things that are extremely interesting. So, uh, you know, I was dealing with a client, uh, JPL Jet Propulsion Laboratories, right? And it was, uh, you know, they were using us to build the, uh, the the software that launched the, you know, the Mars rover, right? And it's, mm. you know, when you're on a phone call with them and they say, hey, if this thing if this thing fails, it's your fault, <laughs> right? It's it's kind of overwhelming, um, you know, uh, with movie studios, and then I've I've actually dealt with like lawyers, mm. right, tracking documents because there's an audibility. Mm. uh aspect to version control so some people do it like you know uh like Brandon, like you mentioned like hey i maybe i'll make a mistake so i want to check something in maybe work on it some more and if i screw it up i can go back to an old version but there's also when you deal with like finance there's like pci compliance mm. uh there's audibility requirements we do a lot with the medical device stuff where people have to say like this is what I did. This is what I said I was going to do. I can reproduce it. I can track who changed what. Mm-hmm. Why did they do it? You know, what was the reason? What files did they changed? Um, and so I've seen it all over the map, right? It's not just game development or, you know, uh, software I saw on my computer, but literally like lawyers, uh, doctors use it, you know, people that are building embedded software, movies, entertainment. It's It's literally all over. Basically, at the end of the day, Anything that you save to disk that's important needs to be under version control, yeah. right? It, 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 you know, the 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 patterns you use are different. Um, 
depending on what you're building. But if, if what you save to your computer is a critical part of your business generating revenue, you need, you need some sort of version control. Mm-hmm. Like what would you say the, the most, uh, reoccurring resistant to version control since it's been yes game development has been very familiar since 1999 uh, it could be just uh finally broadening the horizon for uh prospective clients yep but uh at least on my journey there's has been like artists like i don't get what this is what it means why do we mm-hmm. need it as a studio what kind of resistance have you been uh, facing so that's a great question and and what i've seen is um it depends on the persona, but I, let's just say, let's take a core developer, like a software hard, you know, hardline coder. They don't want uh, to be controlled or tracked or told what to do, how to do it, where to do it. And the whole point when you're an enterprise is, um, you know, when you're dealing with sort of centralization of source code is it, that's, that's IP for the business. So there's a process, there's methodology uh, that the business wants to uh, impose, you know, to keep track of the most valuable thing that these folks are creating. And the creative folks don't want that control, right? Like, I'll go do my thing. I'll let you know when I'm ready. Mm-hmm. And the business doesn't want that. So there's sort of a natural tension there um, with the artists that we that we work with a lot of times. They're not, you know, used to that sort of code mentality and the version control. So they're like, I just want the simple. I just want to open up some stuff, some work in Maya, do my, you know, do my stuff, be creative and save it. And you guys figure it out, which is kind of interesting. So what we're, you know, uh, if you look at what Perforce can do, it's mind boggling how many options there are and how many different capabilities. And it's kind of like, you know saying you want to build a shed and you go to Home Depot and there's, you know, aisles and aisles of lumber and nails and brackets and screws. And, you know, not everybody wants that kind of uh, grand, you know, capability. They want just it to be simple. So kind of what we're working on now is, you know, we're tying in and we're, we got a great partnership with like shotgun, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we integrate into your common, you know, uh, uh, development tools and, artist programs and Photoshop and Maya, et cetera, so that we can just kind of embed ourselves into the natural workflow for coders, for artists, so that they're not, you know, having to become experts in version control. They just, Mm -hmm. Hey, I want to, I want to get the latest stuff. I want to change it and I want to put it back. And that's sort of a mindset that we're uh, in a mode we're trying to deliver to the market. And that's kind of one of my big initiatives that I've, uh, kind of been pushing since since coming as a CTO to Perforce is really like look at a, each person, each persona, you know, admins, release engineer, hardcore developers. They want certain things, you know, other people, they just want the simple flow, the simple UI integrated with their tools um, because we don't want to have resistance. We want it. We want to make it easy for people to do the right thing. Okay. Well, let's talk about the wrong thing. Um, (laughs) You've already talked about, you know, you being on the hook for other people like, hey, if this is wrong, you know, the rockets (laughs) or whatever. whatever. Can you like, can you share without, you know, you know, I guess revealing somebody's confidentiality or privacy? Like, have you come across some like extreme cases like, hey, Perforce guys, uh, we had a new artist come in, check out the whole project and delete it. What do we do? Like, have there been any horror stories in game development that you recall while either working oh, yeah. in your career? Oh, yeah. I mean, so we had a, a customer that was uh, was complaining about our uh, the disk usage from the, from the server. And so we looked into it and we're like, well, you know, okay, fine. Well, let's, let's take a look at it. I mean, if it's real files and, you know, you're, you know, you're versioning things, it's going to take up space. But it was kind of extraordinary okay. it turned out because the corporate firewall rules and security they had no way to like share files from uh site to site mm-hmm. so what they were doing is they were checking in instead of you they were using us like ftp okay. right instead yeah. of you know having some way to share files from site to site they were that completely had nothing to do with version controlled files they were just using us as an engine to to, to check stuff in that had no business being in version control and sharing it over the wire. And um, 
just crazy. Just using us as like a server to server, you know, transport mechanism. Um, and then you have, you know, you have people that want to do the wrong thing. The nice thing about Perforce is, you know, with the triggers and restrictions, you can't screw it up. Right. So some new user can come in and if they delete a file, you can, you can bring it back. Mm -hmm. Uh, they can't obliterate a depot because guess what? There's restrictions. Mm -hmm. Um, so the nice thing about good version control, good, you know, industrial strength version control is the idea is anybody can come in at any time and do whatever they want. And you can always, you know, reproduce history. You can always get things back. You can always protect people from hurting themselves. Uh, you know, some of the free stuff out there doesn't have that built in and mm -hmm. people can, you know, they can do some damage and all of a sudden they're, you know, trying to revert to tape backups if they have them, that kind of thing. But, you know, a good version control system, it's kind of like, um, you know, it's kind of like a bank, right? Mm -hmm. If you went to the uh, ATM and you deposited 20 bucks and for some reason uh, it messed up and it's, uh, it thought you put in 22 bucks, mm -hmm. it's not going to go back and like, say you've said it was in the envelope, right? You put in $22 in the envelope, but it turns out it was only 20. Mm -hmm. The bank is not going to go back in time and change that transaction from 22 to 20. Mm -hmm. It's going to add a new transaction of minus two. Yeah. Right. Because that path is always pristine. That path is always pure. So anybody can change the current state but we can always go back and reproduce it. So yeah, people do wacky stuff. Nobody reads manuals anymore, right? Like people, mm. they get click happy, they download software and they start hitting buttons and, and clicking things and typing commands. But you know, the good news is, is the past is always reproducible. You know, personal moment, actually, that's one of my biggest fears in life is like, I go to the ATM, you know, late at night, 10, 12, whatever. And I like put cash in. One of my biggest fears is that like when I'm putting in cash, it the ATM is going to miscount. And then I have, like, I'm like, no, it was 200, not 180. Like you, you missed the 20. You know what I mean? That's one of my biggest fears of life. I hate to say that, but it's true. Every time I like. I'm in full sure abandonment. I just get my wad of cash <laughs> and just stick it in there. I'm like, yep, did it. That's it. <laughs> See, the difference is I have five kids, so I have no cash. <laughs> That's true. Oh, man. That's funny. So let's rewind the clock a bit. So obviously, you've been in the game for a long time. Can you kind of paint us like your road to version control? Like, why Why did you guys, uh, why did you in particular started going down this route and building a career out of it? Yeah, no, it's a good question. So my, um, my degree is in mechanical engineering and, um, you know, I worked for an aerospace company designing jet engines and jet propulsion systems, all that jazz. And then I, I went and worked in, um, an, in an automotive manufacturer. So, you know, engineer has always been, my, been in my mindset. And, uh, you know, I love doing that. But sort of I found like, you know, at night, you know, when I was home, you know, I wasn't reading about you know, I wasn't eating, you know, reading, you know, engineering, you know, mechanical engineering trade magazines, right? I was messing with computers. I was going to computer shows and putting stuff together. And um, that was really sort of where my natural passion was. And, you know, there was nothing more fun than, you know, trying to, you know, build a custom machine back in the day before, like, all the resources we have online now and you're mm -hmm. trying to figure out like and always on the floppy drive. I had the connector upside down every single time for the power connector, like literally every time it's kind of like a USB. Right. And, um, so that was kind of fun. And then I, I got into, uh, you know, I took some more courses, you know, um, and, uh, got into the software side of things and my first job in the software, it's kind of weird switching industries, right? It's mm -hmm. kind of tough, especially when you have a family to, kind of completely change, you know, what, what industry you're in, but I wound up getting into, um, software. And the first job I had was at rational software and, uh, support for Clearcase, which is old school, but it was like the, the big dog back in the day. Uh, you know, back then you had like, um, PVCS was a commercial option. You had uh, CVS, um, RCCS, uh, you know, SCCS. The, the, those are the open source things that were out there. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, ClearCase kind of changed the game from an enterprise level. So I was in support and uh, doing version control there. And I really love I love it because it was hard. Like mm -hmm. I'm kind of I'm a little messed up like that. Like I like these really complicated 
you know, weird challenges and version control at scale is extraordinarily complicated mm. when you're dealing with thousands of developers and, um, you know, hundreds of thousands of files and thousands of, you know, simultaneous parallel branches of development and namespace versioning. It's really complicated algorithms involved. And uh, it was just a lot of fun and it was really hard. And, um, you know, after I left there, so I started in support, became an account manager, and then I went into sales engineering. So it was kind of fun to get on the sales side of the house. And then I went off and did consulting. I worked at a couple of companies and I did some private consulting in the space and then uh, joined up with some other folks that had started a, a small company. And um, we built uh, this company called Acurev and it was, was pretty successful. We sold you know, in 2013 to microfocus. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that kind of, I felt had completed my, uh, version control journey, if you will. <laughs> and, uh, I was out for a couple of years and like the Godfather, they pulled me back in, you know, <laughs> take it away. One um, was out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's cool stuff. It's, it's, and I feel like the market's still underserved. I mean, there's, uh, you know, you look at like the GitHub, GitLab, Bitbuckets of the world, they're, you know, great products serving the majority of, if you're writing code, right, the majority of people that are writing code are using those products. Mm -hmm. But the 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 minority in numbers, but the, peop, the majority of people that are working on complicated stuff, they need Perforce, yeah. right? Big, huge monoliths, big games complicated thing, medical devices, financial systems. And that's sort of the market that we're after. And I feel like they're underserved. There's a lot of problems we can solve and um, that we're working on right now. And it's, it's fun. It's like uh, I go to see customers and I, I look for pain, you know, I'm the pain master. I look for like <laughs> what hurts you and then what can we do to make it better? It's kind of, it's kind of cool. All right. Well, my complaint is, and I'm not using Perverse right now on my side project. We're using a, uh, GitHub, but I remember many times being like, why is revert and check-in so close together? <laughs> why is it so close? <laughs> you know what I mean? That's all I got for you. That's all I got. That's, that's all right. That's a good one. I'll have to file a ticket on that bad boy. Yeah, do, do with it. Do with it what you will. <laughs> yeah, we get no shortage of uh we get no shortage of suggestions, I can tell you that. Oh man. It's very true, like what you're mentioning, underserved uh, industries. Like the last four or five years, finally, I'm starting to see other industries adopting Perforce, especially. And it was crazy uh, that they haven't until recently. But I, I kind of want to expand the little details that you were talking about, your your road to version control, uh, because you, you kind of share the same um heartbeat as a lot of the indie developers that are listening to this podcast where you had a very flourishing stable career you decided to kind of pursue your passion project with a family like yep. how what was that period like to talk to the wives like hey this is something else because i'm sure you had to kind of restart a bit uh on that financial side to kind of get the the ball rolling and then finally being fruitful and selling selling your first company and everything yeah, no, I, that's, a, that's a great, I appreciate you asking that. And I don't think pe a lot of people really appreciate how hard that is. Um, you know, at the time, you know, I had a decent career and things were going pretty well. And when I decided to go down this, you know, startup route, you know, I had three kids and my youngest was less than a year old. Mm -hmm. And I came to my wife and I said, hey, listen, I think there's a better way to do what I'm doing. And like, I'm really good at, at this job. And like, I was very uniquely qualified to manage and wield clear case. Right. And, you know, there was no option to not get a job. I mean, it was, you know, a requirement as a dad and a husband, like I had to provide. And my wife's like, all right, how much money is here invested in this little cup? Like there's nothing. Yeah. And, uh, it's, uh, it was a little bit of a leap of faith and, you know, it's like, I was so sure that I, that it was going to work. And it basically at the end of the day, and I don't know if it'll help some of your listeners, but I really, I really felt like the success and failure was going to be dependent on me 
Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the, the thing that you get when you work at a small company, right? Mm-hmm. And you start some of these shops. I mean, I'm sure some of your listeners sometimes get frustrated working at some of the bigger companies that they might be working at where, you know, they're a voice, but they're just a voice or another mm-hmm. number. Mm-hmm. And when it's, you know, the success or failure is on your shoulders, it's a little intimidating, but it's kind of exciting and it's kind of cool to have that level of control if you really believe in what you're doing. And I really did. And it was, again, like I said, it was a little bit of a leap of faith, but I really felt like I couldn't not succeed like mm-hmm. at this because I knew the problems that were out there and I knew there was a better way. And, and I, and I trusted that like for the first time in my career, um, that the success or failure was based on my personal actions would have a huge impact, mm-hmm. not hoping that somebody above me was making good decisions. Right. And, you know, obviously that doesn't always work, right? Mm-hmm. You, hear, you know, the success rate of startups and all that is, 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 is not great, but, uh, but boy, when it works, it's a, it's a cool lesson. And then there was, uh, you know, quite a few people that launched careers in this space at my company, right? Mm-hmm. It was, it's, it's, they're still to this day, they're working in these fields and now they've gone off to work at other companies and they've mm-hmm. got great jobs. And that's probably one of the things I feel the most proud about, mm-hmm. right? I helped a lot of customers, but being able to help uh, build a company and launch some other careers and do it the way I wanted to do it. I think that was a, a great level of satisfaction. All right, Brandon, you see these two scenes? Yeah, I see it. Okay. Which one do you think was made by me and which one was made by the professional artist? This is a tough one, man. Uh, I'm going to lean to the left. Left. Uh, uh, It was a trick question. I made them both, but you could tell. (laughs) Holy shit. Yeah, dude. I got to thank you 100% for showing me about Quixel Mega Scans and also all the models that they had available for me to just populate my scenes with. People can't tell the difference, and I'm taking all the credit, by the way. So, Oh, my God. Mega Scans had up your level. Level design art means a whole different thing with Quixel helping you now. So if you guys want to jump your game no matter what discipline, how small your studio, if you're just working on a project yourself, Quixel Mega Scan is your answer. So go over to Quixel.com on checkout. Make sure to use our code GDU10 to get the first year 10% off. Yeah. This is a major deal. You should take advantage of it right now because photogrammetry assets, photogrammetry texture is the wave of the future. If you don't believe us, if you don't believe Quixel, how about Epic, right? Yeah. So GDC, as their showcase, use Quixel demo to showcase how the power of Unreal is up in the skies. Yeah. So this is a tool that you can utilize right now. So so make sure you go to Quixel.com, right? At checkout, use GDU10 to get that discount. And again, that's a discount of every month. January, 10% off. February, 10% off. March, 10% off. For the entire year, you're getting that 10% off. No other company gives it to you like that. You definitely got to thank the guys at Quixel for that hookup. Go check it out. GDU10. Like one of those... Being at the draft table, right? Yeah. Getting ready to pitch to your wife about this venture. <laughs> uh, was there, a, did you give yourself measures like timelines or, or hurdles or like, hey, I got to get to this point by this month? Like, how did you uh, kind of have controlled chaos of the situation? Yeah, that's, uh, well, that's tough. I, I would like to say I had a, a whole ton of forethought there. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, and I look at it two ways because I've done some other projects on the side as well where, um, you know, there's two ways to look at it, right? Like you could do something sort of in the moonlighting fashion, right? So I did, I did, I've done some projects, uh, you know, in, where I was consulting because when we started this company, there was really no revenue. Um, there was no VC investment. So I was also doing some consulting on the side and seeing if maybe that would turn into a business and, you know, that's the nights and weekends thing. And I'm sure a lot of your, I mean, you guys tell me if a lot of the folks that you guys are dealing with your listeners or, you know, they get home at night, they, you know, turn one hat to the side and put on another one and they start yeah. cranking out their own thing. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's one way to, that's a very safe way to do it. And uh, can kind of give you the, uh, you know, the chance to see how things are going before you make a big commitment. 
but I would definitely put together a, a three, six, and twelve month plan, right? Um, you know how are we doing up to three, and if you're not seeing progress, if you don't see progress after six, twelve months from a business perspective, if you're not getting interest, then you're a lot of times you got to look and reevaluate, right? Like, is this thing a hobby or is this going to be a job? Mm-hmm. Um, when you do it all in, right? Like I did, where I quit my job um, and to, to do this, it's it's wicked scary, and mm-hmm. you the 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 benchmark is it's you know am I paying my bills <laughs> right and there was times where I wasn't um at one point with the company uh one of the co-founders came up to me and he's like hey Brad listen we got <laughs> we got uh we got enough money for we have seven days left of money in the bank and like we gotta sell something <laughs> you know so we went out and you know me and uh the sales guy we had we went out and we closed the big deal Mm-hmm. And then we closed another one and we closed another one. Wow. But it was like, we were, you know, we were a week away from closing the, closing the doors. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, but it's all about having the belief in the product and belief in yourselves and finding people who have problems that you can help solve or, or like gaming is not really solving a problem, but it's, you know, tying to somebody's passion or, or filling a need or a void or something that they have that you can, you can create. And it's, you know, do you know your customer? And if you do, and you have a way to solve that problem, you got a shot. Well, you know, you've been answering our questions pretty well. I have to <laughs> say, I give you credit. You must have done this interview thing before. So why don't we kick it up a notch? All right. I'd like to play a game with you called the Fast Five. All right. I'm going to ask you five rapid fire questions, and I need five rapid fire answers. Okay. All right, and I'm going to check your score, and I'll let you know how high up on the leaderboard you are when you're done. Okay, you right. know, it's not fair because you got to prepare the questions. I didn't get to prepare my answers. Anyway, you know, it's, it's all right. That's how the game works. Oh, Every person game. who's played the game is, has been in your seat. All right. <laughs> you ready to play? Sure, I'm in. All right, question number one. What is the largest amount of files that you personally have checked in at one time? Thousand. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Question number two. Uh, favorite summer blockbuster movie of all time? Terminator 2. Food, uh, question number three. An underappreciated food condiment? Ooh, relish. <laughs> That's what I was thinking too, actually. Question number four. <laughs> uh, the next game that you'll probably buy? More, uh, Mortal Kombat 11. 17, yeah. That's a good one. Question number five. Name an event that happened in the last five years that left you in awe. Oh, boy. The the birth of my youngest son. Oh, man. That's it's really good time, actually. That's really good time. You're, you're number 11 on the list. You're <laughs> number 11. That's really good time. I feel like a failure. No way. We've done this. I don't know how many times we played this game. There's at least over 80 people have played the game. Right. I, feel so, like, I feel like you were asking me the questions kind of too slow. Shave off an extra four seconds. Yeah, but no, thank you so much for playing. Uh, you know, we like to kick it up a notch every now and then. And I figured right about the halfway mark was a good time to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> awesome. Impressive time, impressive time. <laughs> well, Brett, a lot of what you're saying has been uh, resonating with uh, not just Larry and I, but like everybody that's listening right now. Um, you know, doing the side job, like hitting, hitting walls and like being able to brush over that and, and keep marching on. Uh, it's a lot of stuff that guests that have been previous on have, have agreed where uh, the indie developer or anybody with their side passion project going full time. It's not because their idea is all horrible is that they ran out of runway to kind of really fully see it in fruition like people just run out of money yeah and they have to go back to work and then further delay their dream right and it's it's so it's so great that you were able to hit those walls but still climb over them with these things i mean i'm sure that was one of the uh one of the bigger failures that you felt like maybe i need to rethink this whole thing mm-hmm. can you paint like another situation where you were really really thinking about like, should I move on or not? Or, or is it just readdressing your, your uh, confirmation, your, your confidence behind what you were selling? Like how, how did you get through that type of mental fatigue? Yeah. You know, you definitely, um, 
you know, you definitely go through that, right? And and I'm sure your your listeners uh, have every one of them has experienced. I mean, nobody hits the ground running and all of a sudden they're you know they're Amazon, right? I mean, mm-hmm. like that that track does not happen um, even for Amazon, and it's definitely you know when you're looking at the bank statement, like oh my god, I, you know I've I didn't take home a paycheck this month because we had to pay the, uh, you know, the electrical bill for the office that we have that we're using, (laughs) we're sharing with, uh, you know, with other people. Um, It's frustrating. And, you know, I've been part of startup things on the side that haven't worked. Mm -hmm. And um, it's, you know, it's, it's heart wrenching when you believe in something passionately and it doesn't work out. Uh, the big thing is, is you just got to keep grinding, right? And you have to be honest with yourself to say every once in a while, every few months, you got to give yourself like a checkpoint. Like mm-hmm. it, it is, were my assumptions still true, mm-hmm. right? Like, is this really a problem? Does anybody care? You know, because those two things have to be true and they might not both be true together. Right. Sometimes you could be solving. I've seen two way too many startups where people um, they're solving a, you know, a science experiment, if you will. Right. They come up with some really cool technology, like amazing because they're brilliant people. But nobody cares mm-hmm. because it has no real world value to another business to the point where they'll buy it. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think you really have to you know, look at your market. And if you really can be honest and get other people to help evaluate other people in the field, peers uh, to look at and say, yeah, no, that's this problem really does exist. And what you're building meets the need that kind of helps get you, get you through it. As, again, as long as things are, uh, you know, um, working financially and all that. Now, if I'm building, you know, if I'm an indie studio and I'm building a game, you know, I want to get out, alpha versions or screenshots or demos to people to get validation, not just to my, you know, to my mother and my uncle and my cousin who are going to always tell me it's great, but to people that are in are you know, potential consumers and see what the feedback is and get the brutal, honest, real world feedback. And if you can, you know, if you can do that and people are, going to you know react positively that'll give you a lot of drive to say all right look then let's go let's keep going let's keep the the fort rocking if people are like yeah that's all right well that's kind of like such and such or that looks like a kind of a clone of another game or whatever okay maybe you need to revamp a little bit adjust your strategy a little bit um because you don't want to you don't you know you don't want to solve the same mousetrap over and over again it's mm-hmm. it's very hard to break into that kind of market mm-hmm. yeah Shit. Well, what do you look forward to, I guess, as far as um, where you think the company is going to be going? You know, you don't have to break any sort of NDAs, but I guess any higher level arcs or territories that you're excited about exploring uh, through, you know, Perforce and version control? Well, yeah, I mean, one of the cool things is Perforce overall. So Perforce started out as version control for forever. Um, And then um, they were bought by a private equity firm and started to go on sort of an acquisition path, uh, acquiring companies in the DevOps space. And they were, uh, you know, sold again to a company, a private equity firm, Clear Lake Capital. This is all public knowledge, Mm -hmm. um, where they, you know, acquired companies that brought in more products into the portfolio, such as... um, our Helix ALM. So that's sort of on the planning side, the audit and traceability side of the development process. Um, Handsoft for agile project management, which is very big in the gaming industry mm-hmm. um, because it's really uh, capable of handling massive backlogs. Everybody thinks like Jira, stuff like that, which is great. I love Jira. But for massive backlogs, which is like these big AAA games, you know, need uh, uh, this Handsoft product is great at that. Um they acquired my company that I was working at, this company Perfecto for uh, mobile testing and, and web-based you know, automation testing in the cloud. And then we just recently purchased Rogue Wave. Again, it's a whole set of litany of tools in the DevOps space. So what we're really doing, which is exciting, is we're kind of being sort of that consolidation engine where we're focused at DevOps at scale, right? Mm-hmm. So what sort of differentiates us as a company and certainly on the version control side is we're looking at environments where we can help customers where 
you know, the software or the digital assets, whatever it is that they're building, it's critical to their business. It's revenue generating. And then it's big, it's complicated, it's nasty, it's hard. We're bringing tools to the table and we're acquiring companies that can help meet the needs of those kinds of environments. So for me, yeah, I kind of go back to what I was saying before is I like it when it's difficult, right? I don't like the easy path. The, the worse and nastier it is, that's my playground, right? Because uh, that's where I feel like I can make an impact. So on the version control side, we're you know, doing a ton of work on, you know, componentized development capabilities, um, you know, managing uh, interaction between what we do and what Git does in these scaled enterprise environments, really scaling the whole DevOps process for, you know, large, you know, large organizations. So for me, it's, it's really exciting. Like I said, it's an underserved market. Um, there's a ton of opportunity for us to, to help people. And it's, it's nice because when we get into these environments, when we help people, we save them millions of dollars when you multiply times the number of users that they have. If I can save, you know, company X with 5,000 developers or artists, you know, an hour a week per developer, I'm literally saving them millions and millions of dollars a year. Mm-hmm. And now those are fun problems to solve. Do they ever just give you a tip? Like, hey, man, thank you so much for those savings. <laughs> <laughs> I would. I would. I just want one of these gaming companies to give me a free game once in a while. <laughs> That'd be nice. Oh, man, I can take care of that. Like, here you go. If, <laughs> if I start a gaming company and we make games, I'll give you a free copy every now and then. <laughs> I'll, give you, I'll give you some free support. <laughs> oh, oh man see you see that i just won i just won yeah, that's awesome yeah i would love that man i would love that yeah no we never get never get any kickbacks it's crazy you can always pipe into their uh, ip server and just download their <laughs> exactly it just re- it'll be on ebay in 10 minutes yeah there we go done uh i mean like it's interesting to see that like these uh I mean, I guess you guys will be thrilled once the whole world uses Perforce, right, in some way. And we are fastly becoming a computer world where every every business is kind of connected in some way or form. And um, especially with soft development, but like unexpected ways as well. Uh, is there... What, what is the next stage? <laughs> like like all, all these talks about um ai and all these different things and like the future of smart driving cars uh it's so dependent on on data being shared and Uh do you foresee perforce playing a big part in all that i mean i guess that's the whole idea right yeah i mean so i think the uh as we build things out again software's software has always been important where it was important, but it's becoming important in areas that it didn't used to be important, right? Like cars, right? Software and cars back in the eighties, you know, was like, Oh, I got my, you know, my check engine lights on. Cause my oxygen. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah. Right. And that, you know, OBD, OBD one. Right. Oh, man, um, yeah. it, but now software and cars could kill people if it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's becoming more and more important. Then as you look at, you know, IOT, things like that, um, software is being part of, you know, running these distributed systems and managing data from vehicle to vehicle to the satellites back to the, you know, maintenance centers. I mean, and all that needs to be uh, very carefully written. Um, and tracked. And when you deal with automotive, when you've got like ISO 26262 requirements or, you know, medical devices with the uh, FDA 21, you know, 21 CFR part 11, like these audit requirements, software is getting, you know, there could be software on a chip that's in your heart, right? Like it's got to work. And so I think as software becomes more pervasive in our lives, um, whether it's gaming, virtual reality, uh, we have uh, there's people that are using virtual reality gaming companies. You know, it's a cool thing you guys would like. A lot of gaming um, developers are now moving into like defense jobs mm-hmm. where they're building simulators, and you know, a lot of the stuff's the same, right? Um, but it's kind of cool because it's opening up whole new opportunities for career paths. Mm-hmm. Um, but where that software is so critical. 
Yeah, absolutely. We look at with with the Perforce, with the versioning control, and with the other uh, products that are in our portfolio, we can help make that software robust, scalable, right, uh, accurate, and and solve the needs of those markets. So it's uh, those are the kinds of things that we're after, mm-hmm. right? It, we're 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 never going to be focused on um, a very simple piece of software that a couple people are writing that's not involving a lot of, you know, big files or, you know, complicated process. It's, you know, you can use anything for that. We want to solve the big game stuff, the virtual reality, the componentized development, the medical, financial, that kind of uh, environment is where we're, you know, seeing the trend go for where it really matters. Mm -hmm. I definitely want to keep drumming the self-importance of game developers, but like, I do feel that uh, everybody's kind of jumping on board, especially with game tools to kind of use within the cars and everything. Yep. And, and I feel like a lot of the, the reasons why the Perforce are kind of broadening outside the game industry is because a lot of these artists and developers are kind of going to these non-gaming space and be like, mm-hmm. why are you guys not using virtual control? <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> running around with a thumbstick the whole time. Why, why <laughs> what are you doing? So it's it's a very exciting time just being able to uh, kind of share our tech, especially it's a lot easier to sell that now it looks so good. Um, people are kind of more more open arms about it. Yeah, no, it's great. Like I said too, for like your listeners, is like the skills that they have in gaming. As you mentioned, I mean, it's not just what am I going to play on my PS4, but defense, you know, cars. There's so many jobs where I'm seeing people getting from uh, gaming studios into the automotive world, into the defense world. We talked to, we have a lot of those customers and, you know, you find out they used to work at, and I don't want to use names, but like, oh, I used to work at gaming studio X, Y, Z, and now they're in a completely different business, but the same skill sets because the, 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 the gaming uh, uh, developers, their capabilities and their ability to think and, you know, and abstract things and, and, and present, you know, uh, you know, data in a way that people want to consume and it help. it's really critical and for some of these other environments. And so their, their uh, value in the market uh, is just dramatically increasing and they have a lot of options. So I would say as a game developer, it's a pretty exciting time if you want to, you know, use your skills in a different, in a different industry. Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of crossover potential for everyone except for designers. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. I can always move on to escape rooms. (laughs) (laughs) You go do that stuff. (laughs) But it's true. Uh, The thing I see with designers is that's going to have a lot of effect is the AR space, if any. The AR space and... uh, being able to interact with our real world in a different way, like gamifying pretty much everything now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Starting with the educational space and just making everything at a point system. It's it's basically going to lead towards that black mirror episode where everyone gets appointed points based on status. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Larry's building up to. And then of course the matrix, right? Uh, well, the, well, the matrix is, I mean, we might be in the matrix for all we know. There we go. <laughs> built by a designer larry thank I'm you i'm looking forward to my new career in like you know emotional manipulation <laughs> strategy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like hey burger king here's how we can get people to buy more burgers yeah that's where i see designers really <laughs> taking gaming knowledge it's like how do we manipulate <laughs> like the audience to feel a certain way oh my god that's awesome oh man so I guess what is your biggest career goal that you have left to uncheck? And if it leads outside of your current employer or if it's something that you can't say, I respect that. But, you know, there's got to be at least a couple more notches that you want to put on the belt. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I've never really. Um, it's, you Des, know, it's, DSX. <laughs> Version control DSX. <laughs> yeah, it's just like I'm going to be like, it's be on my tombstone, apparently. Um, you know, for me, it's. I've never had a career goal of I want to have XX title at XX company, mm-hmm. right? It's just never, it's never been my thing. Um, I really, really like solving problems. I like troubleshooting. I like solving problems. And, 
you know, from a career perspective, if that means I wind up starting another company uh, someday um, or, you know, continuing to work, you know, for years and years and years at Perforce or whatever, I, you know, I, I always keep things open. I mean, I'm very happy being here, um, but I'm always, you know, will always be interested in the next big challenge whether that's something in AI or security or something, or, you know, how we can help solve that at Perforce or, you know, someday on my, I don't know, you know, it's like, uh, I, I don't want to be the CEO of Walmart, right. I don't have like these visions in my head. Um, you know, I like being able to take care of my family and I like being in an environment that I'm in right now where we, uh, it's, it's, it's an unbelievable environment at this company. It's, uh, you know, uh, I have basically free reign to go solve some really nasty problems and, you know, there's still a lot left to solve. So my, my runway here is, is long and, uh, I think we can do some pretty amazing things and what, you know, what comes after that, after the plane takes off, you know, who knows, but it's, Mm -hmm. it'll be, I I guarantee it'll be something nasty that I'm dealing with. Not, (laughs) not looking for the easy route. Man. It's like a masochist. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, all right, whatever's going to be the worst. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a great way to stay in the career that like you want though. Cause like the reason why there's opportunities and what's hard is because there's not a lot of people who can or are willing to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Version so, control people have problems. Like yeah. we have problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think someone like you at the helm though, it gives me confidence in knowing that like, I can see you as a visionary wanting things to grow or wanting to mm-hmm. Again, you said being a problem solver, working for a company that provides a service, the two go hand in hand, you know, as far as my view on that being successful of a venture. So, yeah, I like that. Looking forward to continuing to use Perforce. Um, Once I finish this project, I definitely know that like every company that I've worked for has had it. Every big company has had it. It's so hard to work backwards for Perforce. (laughs) (laughs) It really does spoil you. Uh, but it's a great tool that I've used all throughout my career. And uh, it's great that other industries are finally catching up to speed to it. Yeah, no, it's, that's, it's, it's, it's great. I mean, it's the, the, the types of problems that, that we're solving in the gaming industry um, that we're uniquely able to solve in the gaming industry. They have a different, maybe a different name or a spin, but it's the same kind of problems in other industries. And mm-hmm. um, it's just, like you said, it's a matter of education and people figuring out there's a better way to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is which is pretty cool once the once the light bulb goes off last question for me what is the most common problem that people keep hitting you guys with at perforce what is like the most common issue that you just once and for all on our podcast listen guys this is it here's how you did it oh like this the most uh, like outstanding like outstanding issue or as it like the most popular most common like you hit whenever you talk to somebody about perforce or like what you do they're like oh, okay here's here like how, how do i check yeah, things in exactly what is the <laughs> most common issue that you run into personally I guess. well you know so it's funny we've been uh, i've been meeting with uh, a ton of customers since uh you know since i came over in january and because we have the ability to scale and federate our topology with the servers like globally. And we have customers that have literally hundreds of servers uh, that they're using to manage eight, nine, 10,000 users that like nobody else can do that. There's no other solution in the market that can possibly handle that kind of environment. Mm-hmm. And it's because we allow, you know, we allow you to federate things out and replicate and, uh, you know, federate out the, the, the workload, if you will, is that people are like, how do I upgrade all those <laughs> right? or how do I monitor all those? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so we're, there, we're doing some pretty cool stuff now to try to make that a little easier to do. Um, you know, and I think uh, that's, that's, a, that's a big thing that we're working on that people are excited about is because we give you the tools and the ability to scale like this, then it's like, okay, now how do you, you know, how do you manage all that scale and that environment? Because it's, it's unheard of in any other tool in the market because they can't do it. So that's not a problem that they would ever face. And so we're, we're dealing with the, the big environments, the big numbers of people and, you know, trying to give people the, uh, the ability to do that. And I guess really the other thing is it's like terminology, right? Mm-hmm. People either grew up on subversion or, or, or get, and they're like, where's my commit? Mm-hmm. What's this, you know, <laughs> what's this check-in thing? What's this sink? Right. What's the submit? I don't know what a submit is. All right, yeah, no, my pull? How do I push it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I want to push and pull. Yeah. So it's, uh, 
you know, it's just kind of bridging uh, an educational gap there. And it's cool too. Like I said, we, we love Git. Like we, we work with it. There's all of our companies have, uh, have needs to use Git with third parties or they're pulling an open source or different projects within their company are using Git. That's fine. We don't care. That's great. If it works, use it. And then we kind of bring it all together as a central source of truth. We help people scale Git. So it's, it's all good. And then it's just a terminology thing. So it's, uh, that's always kind of fun to, it's like a, it's like a whole new language. It's like when I'm, when I'm switching between, uh, you know, C plus plus and, 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 uh, PHP and JavaScript, I'm like always mixing everything up when I'm, I always look at old code to kind of get myself back to where, where I need to be. It confuses the heck out of me. The only joke I have for that is I, I don't even have a joke. Like I, I was so entry level in C plus plus. I was like the C out C in days like, <laughs> back when you had the yep. editors. <laughs> I, I forget all the C plus plus. I probably. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had a joke. I lost it. So my joke is I lost the joke. Um, <laughs> but hey, Brad, we've been podcasting for about an hour there, sir. So I want to congratulate you on your second achievement. Not only did you make the high score list on the Fast Five, but you have successfully completed an hour of podcasting with us. As promised, Brandon and I are going to shut the hell up and we're going to let you talk directly to our audience to promote, to shout out or raise awareness for something you're involved in, something you're excited about or something you think needs a little more shine than it currently has. Without further ado, the floor is yours. Yeah. Oh, wow. Great. Um, nothing prepared. Uh, yeah, no, I would just say, you know, uh, give us a checkout, right? Um, you can go to the website, perforce.com and download the trial, uh, download the free for small team slash indie studio edition. Um, again, five users, it's totally free and you get everything. If you have five users and you want to have them located at five different sites across the globe, we can, you can set up our world-class replicas, all that, you get the full kit and caboodle, every IDE integration, uh, graphic tools integration, everything we got you can have for free uh, for those five user teams. Um, and again, we are we are laser focused on on making these environments easy for folks, uh, for the people that are in the game development world. That really is our sweet spot. We've got a tremendous record. If you're coming out of school and you haven't used Perforce yet, and you're going to get a job at a game you know, development company, guess what? You're going to use Perforce. So you might as well start learning it now. Um, the, the documentation's there. The, you know, we're happy to answer questions and help you out. Um, you know, again, we really, we're really looking to, to, to help that market succeed and grow and be strong. Um, and again, it's, uh, the same principles apply no matter what industry you're in. If you're working on big, important software, you got to use Perforce. We're there. Um, and uh, don't think just because you're using Git that that's uh, it's either or. Right. We, we work in these hybrid environments very, very well. So we're, we're more than happy to. Uh, and again, those are also the kinds of things that you can download and use and try it out. Uh, happy to get feedback and answer questions. And again, I'm just super excited to keep keep scaling. Right. We've got people with 10,000 users at a customer. I want to figure out how we can scale to have 100,000 users working on the same thing. Uh, it's never been done before by anybody. We want to make it happen. So um, t- petabytes of data, millions of files. That's the kind of stuff that we're working on. And we're real excited about. Is there a company like a software based company that's 100,000 users that you can <laughs> test that with? I'm trying to think. It's like, that's a country. Like all of Sony, like worldwide. Oh, yeah. No, Absolutely. Absolutely. The problem is, is so like you talk to some people and they'll say like, oh, yeah, well, we've got, uh, you know, 12,000 users, you know, software developers, but they're all in different projects. Right. I always. So when I got to Perforce, I had this pretty funny analogy. I said, basically, when does a thousand not equal a thousand? And, you know, you know, 50, 20 person teams is not the same as one 1000 person team. Yeah. And the problems are very, very different. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of where I'm focused on the, the thousand person team. And uh, or there could be a different dimension of scale. You could have five people, but they're dealing with gigs and gigs and gigs and terabytes of data mm-hmm. uh, like even a small indie studio would deal with. So it's that's where we're focused. And those are the kinds of problems we're having. But, yeah, oh, no, man, this 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 company's got tons of people. It's just fine. And, Tons working on 
on the on the same project because that's where it gets really hard all your older software the monolithic code it's like it's a nightmare uh, it's a lot of people working on the same stuff it's difficult well brad i really appreciate you being on this podcast with us tonight i'm larry charles and i'm gonna dang, say good night <laughs> thank you for joining us see you guys all next week thanks everybody appreciate it so thanks for listening to our podcast. I hope that you're a subscriber, but if you aren't, please feel free to follow us on any of the major podcast platforms, especially iTunes or Spotify. You can find show notes and more resources available to help you become a successful game developer. Just go on over to our website, www.gamedevunchained.com. If you're interested in keeping the conversation going, then definitely come check us out in Discord where we chat in real time for After Show Tuesdays to discuss episodes and Feedback Fridays where we share screenshots on the projects that we're currently working on. If you go over to Patreon.com, you can support our podcast financially. And if you do so, you get access to Life Unchained, our on-the-pulse, unfiltered game dev gossip content that we make exclusively for our Patreon supporters. And as usual, you can keep in touch and follow our happenings on Facebook and Twitter. That's Game Dev Unchained, the podcast.